Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. So, welcome to the show, Bryce. It's great to be with you once again, and it's just you and me this week, no guests. So, what do you want to talk about, my friend? Well, I'd like to talk about our, our, our red team coaches. I mean, I, I'm so excited because, you know, it's been, it's been, you know, gosh, we started working with coaching.com last year. We just mm-hmm. this week finished our level two red team coaching program. We've had hundreds of coaches from all over the world go through these programs and they're out there now. And, and they're using the red team thinking tools and techniques to support their clients and business and government and nonprofits all over the world. And I've learned so much from working with them, from teaching them, but, you know, to teach is to learn, right? We learn from our students, you know, all the time. And it's just been, it's been so great because as you know, you know, one of the things that, that we've struggled to do over the years is, is really kind of scale red team thinking to, to a truly global level. And I feel like we're, we've got the, the folks now to do that. And I'm really excited about it. How about you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and as you said, we learn from the people who come along and the, we talk about like-minded contrarians, but the diversity of the coaches we have, as you said, they're coming from all corners of the globe getting up at all hours, that, that's what just blows my mind. You know, people are working in APAC, getting up at 3, 4, 5 a.m. to join yeah. us. Yeah, Singapore. Dedication. I know, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, India. Yeah. These, yeah, it's amazing, right? I know. And, and, and they're hungry for this to be broadcast out across their region. They're asking us, when are we going out there? So it's fabulous. And as well as working in all these different sectors and using these tools and techniques, as we know, the next day we teach them. The week later, we come back and have a quick catch-up, don't we? And they're already providing evidence of how they've been using it with their clients. But for me, one of the big things was how they've been using these tools for themselves. Yeah. This ability to turn the tool on themselves and look at themselves personally, looking at their own coaching businesses, looking at how they're behaving with clients and handling clients. And it's that really, I keep calling that that two-for, that two-for-one value that you get from these tools and techniques. You get to use them in your workplace with clients, but you get to use them on yourself and your, your home environment often. And I just think that's so brilliant. And it's heartwarming to hear the stories that we get back. And also we've got a community now. Yeah. What is it you and I have always dreamt of since we first met our vision was, you know, we want a movement. Yeah. Right. Well, it was our first conversation services. over exactly. some delicious curry. And uh, I remember that. Yeah. Charing cross. Yep. Charing cross station, Indian house yeah. outside there. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I didn't, I didn't remember that. That's exactly our very first yeah. conversation was about how do we build this into a global movement? Yeah. The insurgency, yeah. And then, you know, it? COVID kind of interfered with that a little bit, yeah, but we, we, we've gotten there, you know, yeah. it's no, uh, no it's, you're, you're right. You know, I, the thing that just, just makes it so much fun sharing all of this with all these, these coaches from all over the world is just that for, to me, to hear how they're using these tools and stuff, you know, in, in one of our sessions, this week, 
a woman, I don't remember where, where she was from, but she was talking about how she'd taken one of the tools that we taught and had used it two days later with the CEO of a company that she's working with and, and, and was talking about how it changed their strategic thinking, how they started, you know, they realized that they hadn't been looking at some of the threats and opportunities that they had coming on the horizon. And, uh, and I just love hearing that because I mean, I, I know this stuff works, you know, this stuff works, but it's still great to see people take it, make it their own. And that's the thing is, I mean, you know, I've learned so many things from, from the coaches about how they've used things in ways that, that, that we haven't thought of before. And yeah. I think that that's, that's really powerful. It is. And what I'm loving as well, you know, the, the sort of the caliber of the coaches on this program, you know, these people are big hitters. You know, they, yeah. they've got years under their belt. They're Marshall Goldsmith qualified, ICF certified. They've gone through all the programs. I right. remember one of them, Jeff, Jeff Quinn last year said, you know, so Marcus, I'm pretty much done with all the coach training out there. And then you guys came along. He said, my wallet is now open. Whatever you guys are selling, I'm buying this because this stuff is game changing. And as you mentioned, you know, they're using these tools and techniques instantly. And we talk about instant applicability and immediate efficacy. And it, it's just a fact. We're not overselling this. We're not overpromising. You use these tools and they are game changing and mind changing and helping people just think differently. Look at problems from a different perspective. Garner the perspective of others, shock, horror, wisdom of the crowd, engaging your people to get their understanding and perspectives and problems. It's amazing. And again, one of the other coaches said, you know, Marcus, we kind of know all this, but we never do it. And it's that common sense story, isn't it? That right. Common sense isn't common. And right. once you have the, and I think somebody said to us, the secret source isn't the tools. It's how we teach people to use the tools. It's that right. pedagogical process that you and I are quite fastidious about how we take people through the learning of this, because then when you get to the front line to use them, it just becomes second nature and it's easy and you just develop your own style. As we talked about then, people are using these tools in their own ways already. And it's great to get that feedback and understand the multiple ways that you can use one specific tool. The thing that I'm really excited about too is, I mean, you and I and some of our associates have been working, you know, to support organizations around the world, companies, governments, militaries, nonprofits, NGOs for, for years now. And yeah. what we haven't really had in, is, the, is the ability to work with leaders one-on-one -on -one and to support leaders one-on-one -on -one who, who, regardless of where their organization is at, simply want to become better leaders, better decision makers. Tagline of this program, thinking leaders. They want to become thinking leaders. And now we've got literally hundreds of people who know how to support leaders in this journey, who know how to teach them to, to go and, and, and think more critically, lead more effectively, and, and become comfortable with ambiguity, which is, I think, essential for any leader in the world today. And so, and we've got people in, in every part of the world from North America and Europe to Asia, to South America, to Africa, to the Middle East. Um, and every that's- Every bar Antarctica, we're there. As far as I know, no one in Antarctica yet. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but definitely <laughs> everywhere else. 
Well, we'll get someone at, at, at you know McMurdo Station at some point. Indeed. I hope. Indeed. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's and that's just so exciting to me is because you know you know I I've had people reach out to me on LinkedIn in the past and say you know like I I'm a business leader in Ghana and I'd love to learn more about what you do and I'm just we haven't had a way to support people like that and now we do now I yeah. can say oh I've got several people in your city in Ghana exactly yeah who who no who can work face with you to tomorrow yeah. yeah you know let me connect you with them and I just think that's so exciting I mean and I I can't wait to see what comes from this. I can't wait to see what our coaches do with this, what they're able to take this and, and do. And then, you know, how that's able to, to continue to build this movement, as you said, um, which yeah. is, which is finally becoming a real movement. It is. Uh, and I think, you know, you and I have always wanted to re-inject the capability of thinking back into people, haven't we? You know, we're all curious, we're all born that way. And we know that it gets systematized out of us as we go through life. And we want to turn on that, that passion and that power of challenge, the five wise kid or, or the 55 wise kid, as both of our parents call us. And I think the same is now applicable to coaching. You talk yeah. to executives and they're like, oh, bloody coaches. Yeah. And there's a certain level in organizations where you get a coach assigned to you and they come along with their grow model and a little booklet of how to be a coach. And they're not really coaching they're just going through the checklists and you know we've seen those frustrations with the coaches we're working with and the game what's nice is it's not us saying this it's it's them who are very experienced saying having this toolkit is a whole nother level of ability that they're now bringing to the coaching world and we call it tough love coaching you know these are hard challenging techniques and tools that we bring and it's making a difference because this is what if you're in a position of senior leadership where you've got big decisions to be made, you're working in this VUCA world where things are changing daily, this stuff is hard. Let's not beat right. out of the bush. This is freaking hard stuff. No wonder people have got imposter syndrome. No wonder people have got high stress levels. No wonder people are leaving and retiring early. And if you've got a super coach on your shoulders, Jiminy Cricket, helping you out, helping you think, being a sounding board once a week, once a month, whenever suits you, to really just have great, as we do, great discourse and good conversations about stuff that you struggle to talk with, then what better place can you be with that coach and in your position as a leader to take that opportunity and then shift that back into the workplace and execute on what you've learned? And that's a continual evolution. As we say, learning is continuous, the Kaizen approach to ourselves. And anybody who's out there sitting at the top of the pecking order or thinking they're there, thinking they know it all, they've learned everything, I've got news for you. You haven't. You know, yeah, we, you know, we, learning. that's the cool thing about this program is, you know, okay. we had some of our thinking challenged um, yeah. by the coaches in this program. And the great thing was, is that it actually created an opportunity for us to model to, I used to say, eat my own dog food, which is like a Mad Men era reference. You didn't like that. The coaches turned out didn't like that either. So we have a new saying, we drink our own coffee. <laughs> So we've been drinking a lot of our own coffee on this program. And I think that's good because it shows people something that we really passionately believe, which is that admitting that you don't know the answer to something as a leader is a sign of strength, not weakness. Absolutely. Asking Humility your team and strength. To, for their perspective is a sign of strength, not weakness as a leader. Yeah. It's the how insecure. Many how many actually the, believe that or think that? Right. That's, it's that's the insecure... Hurdle. Yeah. It's the insecure leaders that are out there saying, hey, I have all the answers. Let me tell you what to do, you know, 
Um, and it's the strong leaders who are able to kind of say, well, what do you think? Let me hear what you think before I make a decision. And so we've been able to model that, which, I, which I'm very happy with. The other thing, though, I want to come back to something you said that I think is so important. And it's something that some of our coaches actually struggled with, was this idea that, you know, as we, as we explain them, red team coaching is not talk therapy. This is not, this is not sitting on the couch with your clients saying, Hmm, I see. Yes. Tell me more. Ah, yes. Yeah. What's, what do you think the cause of that problem is? That's yeah. not what we're offering here. And that's not what we're teaching. You know, as you said, this is, this is tough love. And it's interesting because I think that in, in the coaching community writ large globally, I don't know if it's, if it's fear or laziness, but there's a lot of coaches out there, like you say, who, who act like they're psychoanalysts, who, whose approach to coaching is to, is to ask a, a question every five minutes and then let their client talk. And while we absolutely want to hear what our clients have to say, we want our coaches to, to challenge them too, in a, in a, in a, in a constructive absolutely. way. Absolutely. And, and that's not incompatible with the core tenets of coaching. I mean, it's one of the principles actually in, in, in of the International Coaching Federation is to challenge your client's thinking, get them mm -hmm. to challenge their own thinking, which is what the tools and techniques that we teach are designed to do, is to challenge people's and I, and thinking. I think that, yeah, and I think a lot of people don't like to do that because what it surfaces is very uncomfortable. What it right. surfaces is something that the coachee, the client may often know, they may often have kicked that can down the road. Ostrich effect is in full force. What do we talk about? We talk about the lies we tell ourselves. And often these people are living behind this facade that you as a red team coach comes in and you put your fist through that facade and it cracks like thin ice. And behind it, there's all of these worries, these concerns, these problems that have just amassed over time because people aren't addressing them. They're just thinking, oh, I'll leave that. And we all know that if you ignore something, it's going to be bigger the next time you look. And you can only right. close that door on it before the skeletons come pouring out the closet. And I think <laughs> that's what's so needed today because of the pace of change that we're going through now. One thing today becomes five tomorrow. It's 50 next week. And then you just can't physically deal with it. And then it becomes overwhelming and you can't even get close to dealing with any of it. Whereas if you're having a sounding board where somebody's calling you out and challenging you on those and forcing you what was our last tool? Sea change, wasn't it? We wrapped up with a great tool called Sea Change, where it physically gives you clear parameters, clear metrics that you can hold your client to, you can hold yourself to, that allows you to visit physically and visibly see the progress where you need to go and how you're going there. And it's and, so and coaches love that. I was and I was I was honestly surprised because I mean, like I I think it's an effective tool. Obviously, we've used it, and but I didn't think it was honestly as big a deal as some of our coaches, many of our coaches thought, and we got so much feedback saying, this is great. Now I have a way to hold my client. Well, that's why, because they've got nothing before and, that. Right. And, that's the thing. It's and a that's the thing. Roadmap. And as, 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 as we taught this, it's not just about holding your client accountable. It's about holding yourself accountable as a Correct. coach. Cause if you're not helping yeah. your client grow, what value am I adding to your journey? What value your are you adding? Yeah. And you know, I, there's a story that I shared in our class that, it, I, it, it still just makes me shake my head when I think about it. Several years ago when, when we were expanding and we were bringing on some additional associates and, and I was teaching a group of, of really experienced consultants, very successful consultants, how to use our tools and techniques 
they were going to, you know, join us and, and, and support us with this. And, you know, we, we were, we were doing one of our usual games, uh, exploring some of the lies we tell ourselves. And one of, one of the very, again, very successful consultant said, well, I think I, I said, what are some of the lies that you, consultants tell themselves? And, and his was that every engagement has to lead to an epiphany that every time you, you work with a company, it has to lead to some sort of mic drop moment. And he went off and said, that's not true. You know, we, we do our best, but you know, you can't expect that to happen, you know, every time. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you happens 50% of the time, that's good and stuff. And I, I, I said to him, I said, what, why not? Why? I mean, why would, why, why is anyone paying you if you're not leading, if, if your work with them isn't leading to some great revelation about, because otherwise, I mean, what do they need you for? Correct. Just and, and it's the same thing with coaches. If you're not, if you're not as a coach helping your clients become better leaders, mm-hmm. become better people, become better, better managers tomorrow than they were t- yesterday. Why should they keep paying you money? You're just a therapist. That's all. And they've got therapists out there who can do that. You don't need a coach to play the ear of the CEO. You need somebody who's going to help them and guide them and support them. And the key thing is challenge them. These people don't get challenged. We joke right. about the four-star general. You know, no one's going to tell you the truth anymore. And you yeah. get to these certain levels where nobody calls you out. Not even your buddies and colleagues and peers call you out when you get to a certain position. Because of all the things we know about careerism, internal politics, fear. So you get and you walk around with the rotated spectacles on thinking everything's great. All that comes up to you is good news. And then should you step out of your ivory tower and go down to where the work's happening, go to the Gemba, as they call it in Toyota. And then you start to find out what's actually happening. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize this. And then you look how that information is flowing up through however many levels of management to get to you. And you realize it's not getting to you. It's getting filtered. They used to call it the kernel filter in the military. And this is one of those revelations again, because the coach can help you see this and arm you to go and find out. The the greatest capability I think we have is enabling people to engage their own people quickly, anonymously, and enabling truth to come out. And with that truth, you then get better quality of understanding of data, of information to make better decisions. And that's all we're trying to really do is help leaders today in this hugely complex world, just make better decisions faster Absolutely. because we need to. Absolutely. Let's take a break and we'll talk more about this on the other side. Stay tuned. Hey folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively, to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. So welcome back. As always, great chat during the break. And we're going to share some of that with you now. So Bryce, we've got we've got some years under our belt. We've got some great learnings. We've got some great clients. And now we've got this group of phenomenal coaches. Where do you see us going next with red team thinking? Well, ne- next step is we're, we're starting um, in October. 
with many of these coaches are going to be joining us uh, to become trained as red team instructors. So that is all about. Does that mean that you and I don't have to do all this delivery again and we can have other people helping us? Exactly what it means, Marcus. Exactly what it means. I like that. We already have some great people helping us. Let's be honest, though. (laughs) Um, But we're going to get even more great people to help us. Because, again, this is all about growing, not just growing the movement, growing the intellectual insurgency that we are so committed to. And so I'm really excited about this. We're going to be training these advanced coaches, not not in one-on-one coaching, but how how to train teams in using these tools and techniques to support Again, corporations, businesses, government agencies, militaries, nonprofits all over the world um, and help them develop their own in-house red teaming capability so they don't have to rely on on us or, or others to do this for them, that they can they can have this as an in-house capability, which I think is critical. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, because as we always say, we're not consultants. I was going to say that. We don't. Aligns. We don't. Usually doesn't yeah. what we think. What's our motto as a company? Don't outsource thinking. Yeah. And that is based on something that that I began seeing when I was a journalist before I even started Red Team Thinking, um, before I even wrote the book Red Teaming. And I know you've seen this too in, in your work, is I have never been in an organization where the answers that that organization needed to navigate successfully forward didn't exist, didn't reside within that organization. What they lack are the tools and the techniques to surface those good ideas, to make sure that the best idea wins, regardless of whether it comes from the CEO or the most junior person in the room. Correct. And, you know, we we tell a story that one of the very first red teaming exercises that the U.S. military did after this this, uh, decision support red teaming a methodology was developed back in the early 2000s was it was a major review of the the national military strategy plan national military plan in the united states and the in the best ideas the ideas that ended up going to the chiefs of joint chiefs of staff and getting enacted turned out all of them came from the lieutenant in the room not yeah. the captain the G- the not the major yeah. not the lieutenant colonel not the colonel not the one star two star three star there were all of those generals in the yeah. room and at the end of the day, it was the 24-year-old lieutenant that had the best ideas. Yeah. That's true in business, too. You know, business. how do you know as a leader that the, that the person who doesn't have the best vision of where you need to go as a company isn't, isn't the, 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 the person that you just hired a year ago who you've got, you know, sitting in a corner and nobody's listening to? That's it, isn't it? When you're looking at now recruiting Gen Z, Gen Z for this side of the pond, you know, this generation are more likely to challenge. They're less tolerant of the BS. But if you don't give them that capability to speak up, if you don't give them an opportunity or a sounding board, then what are they going to do? They're going to leave. They're going to go and find an organization that will do that, that will engage them. Because that's ultimately what people want. I want to be engaged in the workplace. When I get up in the morning, I don't think I'm just going to go to work today, do the bare minimum, keep my head down and not have a thought in my brain that's going to be of value. I don't think, right. well, th- clearly there will be some out there, but I don't think the majority of people think that way. I think people want to get up. They want to make a difference. They want to do good in the world. They want to help people. They want to have ideas and they want to be heard and share them. And they want yep. to see that they're making a difference. Right. Making a difference. 
And, you know, what do we see, though, in employee engagement surveys time and time again? 21%. The, 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 last, the last round of Gartner scores were 21% of employees are engaged in the workforce. I think it was 79% are disengaged. And of that 79%, 15 are actively sabotaging your company. It's yeah. crazy. And this is this is you know this goes back to to why is why are those fifteen percent actively sabotaging your company? Well, this is, this is what I what I experienced firsthand when I was a business journalist. When I covered Ford Motor Company, people, including very senior people in the company, gave me incredibly damaging information. Mm-hmm. I, one of, one story I wrote, I, I had I had a friend who was a VP at uh, J.P. Morgan call me up after a story I wrote, which which was I revealed the the true magnitude of the losses at Jaguar for the first time, which were not public. A friend of mine at, at, at J.P. Morgan called me. And said he said we just did the numbers. He said you destroyed two billion dollars in shareholder value today, <laughs> and by with your story because I wrote a story revealing what Jaguar's uh, actual finances were and, and Ford stock tanked. Um, and apparently it scuttled a deal to sell Jaguar that was in the works at the time too, that I didn't know about, but, but the, the reason why that person shared that with me was not because they were an ass who, who just liked to cause trouble. It was because this was a a person who deeply cared about Ford Motor Company, who wanted to make a positive difference, who wanted to shake the company out of its lethargy and 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 this was back in in 2005 2006 and and get them to start addressing some of the systemic problems that were causing these massive losses they cared and and they they couldn't get anyone to take them their concerns seriously because people were just you know moving papers from one box to another and happy to take their bonuses and and and, and no one was really you know putting in a big effort above them mm-hmm. and so they said you know what I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to pull their pants down in public so that everybody sees yeah. what a mess they're making of this company. Or the reaction. And that's going to shame them, I hope, into fixing it. Mm-hmm. And 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 so you see that happening all the time. And so this person, I guarantee you, if this person had been listened to, yeah. If it, it when this person shared their concerns with senior leaders, which they had many, many times, and said, you know, I think we need to do something to address it. Here are my ideas. I'd like to share them with you. If they had, if their response had been, yeah, let's have a conversation about that. You're right. We can't go on like this. That person would have never in a million years shared that with me. And the proof of it is, is when Alan Mulally took over C- as CEO of Ford Motor Company, within six months, nobody ever shared anything with me again. No need. Alan's door was because open, wasn't it? His door was open. Yeah, absolutely. His email, every employee could email him and he'd respond. Yeah. He, the company was addressing its problems. People felt heard. They felt engaged. It's not hard, folks. Yeah. It's not, there's not rocket science, but you have to have the tools. You have to have the techniques and you have to have the confidence as a leader to engage your employees. And that's what our coaching folks are, are hopefully going to be supporting leaders with. And that's what, as trainers, they'll be teaching organizations how to do. Yeah, and I think... Having that confidence as a leader to act, showing that vulnerability, but also having that confidence as an employee to speak up and engage. Because how right. often do we hear, Billy, oh, I want to hear this from all you people, so give me all your ideas. And people go, do they really? It, it's a trap. And they give some ideas. Yeah, it's a trap! Exactly. Don't go there. <laughs> but they give their ideas, 
and they get dismissed or they get ignored. And it's like putting surveys out, isn't it? After you keep asking and people do so, and then you ignore them, then what's going to happen? You're going to get silence. And then people are going to go, yeah, yeah, they say they want this, but they don't. Not really. Whereas we know where we've worked with organizations where the C-suite and the executives have come out and said, look, A, we want this. And B, we're now going to arm you with the tools and techniques to do this. It's going to be anonymous if you want to, but pretty much you won't need that. But this is going to allow us to hear you, for you to challenge us and to have that discourse and to level the playing field, to bring that room down to everybody's equal from a thinking and cognitive perspective. It doesn't matter whether the CEO's in the room or the newest intern, all those stories that we've got, all those experiences we've got with our clients, when the room is buzzing and they're all using the tools and the techniques, you could bring anyone in from the outside and go, right, who's who in this room? You would not know from the behaviors you see where normally you walk in a meeting and you know exactly who's the alpha, who's the CEO, who's the boss, who's the quiet guy who's got all the ideas but never speaks because you can physically and visibly see it and feel it. When we do this well and we do it with our clients and the coaches out there are doing this, it's it's an incredible thing to behold. And it's so, I said it again, heartwarming. I love watching this happen, feeling it happen in the room. And then the outcomes just start to begin flowing out of people's brains. And the challenge then counteracts that, oh, I disagree. And instead of go, what do you mean you disagree? They go, great, why do you disagree? Tell me why. Brilliant, that's now made me think differently. And someone else comes in and you get these huge cataclysmic behaviors morphing into this amazing sort of beyond brainstorming session. I love it. Absolutely love it. I do too. And more exciting stuff to come. Can't wait to start training this new cadre of Red Team instructors and unleashing them upon the world as well. It's been a great journey, my friend. More to come. Look forward to it. Speak to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. You'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.